Pastor Tom is on a, he's, he's actually on vacation right now, and so don't worry, I'm not in charge. <laughs> He'll be back. <clears throat> All right, well, this morning we're going to, I have a cold this morning, so if I have to bend down and blow my nose or cough, excuse me ahead of time, uh, kind of gross, but... Um, this morning, I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about um, the overall story uh, of Jeremiah, the prophet of God, and he was a he was a prophet to the the country of Judah. We kind of have to get rolling because there's a lot of a lot of little details in here, but there's there's a heart. There, I promise there's a heart of it. It's streamlined, but you have to you have to hear. So I pray right now, God, that you give us ears to hear truth, God, and and. Help us, give us the strength, Lord, to spit out the bones. Eat the meat, Lord, and spit out bones. In Jesus' name, amen. So the, uh, let me, again, let me give you a kind of a background. Originally, the Israelites, okay, these are God's, this is God's chosen nation. Well, um, they disagreed about who should be the king of their nation, and so what they did was they split into two different groups. Um, some of them were, it was Israel to the north, which comprised mostly of 10 tribes, and then Judah to the south, which was basically just Judah, but parts of Benjamin too. So there's two tribes to the south. But Israel's kings had this pattern of continually disobeying. It was constant. It was, it, it, you know, God would bring, allow another king into Israel. That king would just follow, follow into the same patterns of the culture, same patterns of the previous kings, which was sinful. He just, he didn't have, he didn't have guards. He just kept living his life the way he wanted to live it. it Judah, on the other hand, um, occasionally God would raise up a, a, a king that did have conviction in his life. He's like, you know, I don't think we should be sacrificing our kids and I don't think we should be uh, prostituting ourselves before other gods. I don't think we should be doing these things. So, so he, would, he would stand in the throne and he would say, the entire nation, we're not doing this anymore. So there was good kings as well. Just a fun fact, I guess, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, he came through the smaller tribe of Judah through most, it was Judah and Benjamin. So uh, during these times, God, God would send prophets, and specifically to the story we're talking about today, God sent Jeremiah to speak judgments because of sin. And Assyria from the north comes and conquers the larger of the two groups, Israel. Assyria comes down, they take them, and, and what they do is they, they take everyone captive, but how they really hurt the, the country is they export them into different regions of their empire. And so it's a way for them to not rise up in their little groups. It's a way for them to, to, to be dispersed, to not be united as a nation anymore. And so Israel goes into exile. Exile just means they're, they're, they can no longer live where God originally designed for them to live. And God sends Jeremiah. God sends Jeremiah to tell Judah. Now this is the southern tribe. Um, he, he tells them, you need to go surrender to the forces of Babylon, okay? If, if he says that um, if, if you surrender, you're gonna live. And if you don't surrender to the forces of Babylon, uh, you're not only gonna lose the war, you're going, your entire family king, king is gonna die. The entire, the entire royal family is gonna die. And of course, King Zedekiah, the king of the time of Judah, refuses to listen and eventually Jerusalem's overtaken by the Babylonians, and they too are sent into exile. Now both Israel 
and Judah are in exile, and King Nebuchadnezzar leaves some, some poor people, some, some people in the lower class, to stay in Judah, um, to take care of the vineyards, take care of uh, the fields. Some people just ran. As soon as they saw the Babylonians come, they ran even into the enemy territory. They just got out of there. Um, king Nebuchadnezzar, he's a king of the Babylonians. He sets up one of, Israel, uh, one of Judah's own uh, to be the governor of the new, the new capital, Mizpah. Before it was Jerusalem, but when they came in, um, it was prophesied that if you continue living in sin, the temple of God, Jerusalem, everything's gonna be wiped out. So what they did was they, they made Mizpah, a new city, the, the center of commerce, the center of the, the capital. And they made Gedaliah to be um, the governor. Meanwhile, some of those, those uh, Judean guerrilla groups, remember how I said some people, um, I, I should take a step back, some of those people ran off into the enemy territories? Well, they find out one of their own is governor, and they come back and they start forming little guerrilla groups, some military groups. Okay, and, and Ishmael, um, again, we're getting kind of details here, but I, I, gotta, I gotta give you these details for you to understand where we're going. Ishmael, he was an official that worked inside of um, the, very close to King Zedekiah. He was part of the royal officials, okay? Ishmael was hired by the king of Ammon to go assassinate the new governor, okay? So, so basically that's what he does. He goes, he kills, he kills the, the governor and these guerrilla groups find out about it and they're like, whoa, he just killed off our governor. That's a bad deal. Not only did he kill him off, he took our friends captive. So, so they pursue them. They go, they overtake them, kill them all off, killed off most of them. Some of them escaped. Uh, you know, they said, we'll, we'll come back with some goods. Don't kill us off. We're, we're, we're valuable is what they said. So, so that's, that's where we're at. Um, this, these people, now that they have, they have recaptured their, the people that were living there, the, the, their fellow Israels, uh, or fellow Judeans, I should say, um, they're back in the land, and now uh, the people are scared of what the Babylonians are going to do to them because, well, first of all, they have small military groups uh, guerrilla groups, if you will, and so they're thinking, okay, what in the world are the Babylonians going to do to us if they, if we're still in the land and we're supposed to be in exile, okay? And so not only that, but then Gedaliah, the governor, had been assassinated, and that that was all Babylonian, you know, set up. So you mess with the government, Babylonian government, the world empire, um, as far as warfare and, and military. Um, there's gonna be problems. And so they got scared. They said, you know what, I'm out of here. We're gone. And so they packed their bags and they start heading to Egypt, okay? So this is where we're gonna pick up uh, in Jeremiah chapter 42. Okay, so the rebels are running and they eventually meet up with Jeremiah the prophet, okay? And, and they stop and ask him to pray for direction in their lives. They're saying, you know what, we don't really know what to do here. Can you pray for us and in and, and they said, well, you know, whether, whatever it is, whether it be favorable or unfavorable, we'll do what the Lord says. And, and then 10 days later, he comes back with the word of the Lord, and he gives them two options. Option A, you can go to the next slide. Jeremiah 42, verse nine, it says, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to represent your petition says, if you stay in this land, which is Judah, I will build you up and not tear you down. I will plant you and not uproot you, for I have relented concerning the disaster I've inflicted on you. Remember, 
uh, in Jeremiah, God said that um, God said that Nebuchadnezzar was actually his sheriff or deputy to do the exile to force. Judah into exile, okay? It, it's not that these bad things are just happening and this is intentional, God, God brought Judah into exile. He says, I've relented from it though, concerning the disaster I've brought on you. Don't be afraid of the king of Babylon, whom you now fear. Do not be afraid of him, declares the Lord, for I am with you and will save you and deliver you from his hands. I will show you compassion so that he will have compassion on you and restore you to your land. That sounds like a pretty good option. I mean, basically, you stay here, God is gonna take care of you, I'm gonna plant you. you gotta do, we, we do have to remember though, since God is doing these things, since God has just brought all these people into exile, the fact that God wants to plant them now and do all these good things for them, it's a little bit misleading in their minds. They're like, maybe Jeremiah's off here, okay? And so, option B, he says, or, in verse 15, it says, then hear the word of the Lord, you remnant of Judah. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. If you are determined to go to Egypt and you do go to settle there, then the sword you fear will overtake you and the famine you dread will follow you into Egypt and there you will die. Indeed, all who are determined to go to Egypt to settle there will die by the sword, famine and plague. Not one of them will survive or escape the disaster I will bring on them. So the title of my sermon is Determined Not to Go Back. Determined Not to Go Back. We have to be determined in the same way, to never go back. We've already been singing about it this morning. I'll never go back to where I once was. The only way we can determine, uh, make that determination in our heart to never go back to that life of sin or to the things that we once loved is to cultivate a heart of obedience. Okay, a heart of obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. So we're gonna start with my first point. We have to be concerned for God's will in our life, okay? In verse three, uh, chapter 42, the Judeans uh, asked Jeremiah, pray that the Lord your God will tell us where we should go and what we should do, okay? The Judeans wanted to know what God's will was for them that in that desperate time of fear. And, and, and remember in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You know, God loves when we run to him in desperate times. He loves when we run to him when we're in need. But you know, when, if it's so important that we're pursuing God's will for our life, knowing what the directions are prior to when the storms come so that we're not trying, not only, you know how the, the Judeans are kind of wrestling with, I wonder, if, I wonder if God really is going to plant us. We won't have to worry about any of those thoughts if, we are, if we're determined to, to stay in the word, if we're determined to go after Christ, be concerned with, with his will for our life prior to the storms that come. So if we're pursuing God's will for our life before those struggles, I mean, God, God will show himself to us. Okay, even Christ, remember when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying out, he's crying out to God, he's about ready to drink the cup of wrath that his father has for him to drink because of our sins, sitting in this room right now, our sins. And he says this in Luke twenty-two forty-two. He says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup of wrath, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. See, even Christ here is concerned about God's will, and it's important to be concerned about God's will because when you are concerned about that, you're concerned about obedience. You really are. Thousands of years ago, God made himself real uh, to, to human beings. Oftentimes, uh, it was through, it was in different ways, but sometimes it was through judges or kings, different people. 
but in this case, in this story, God was making himself real uh, to these, this, this specific people through Jeremiah. Jeremiah went away and prayed and, and, and God, the Holy Spirit revealed truth to Jeremiah, whether it was through uh, dreams, through his mind images, thoughts. See, unfortunately, dreams, you know, for us, you know, God, God speaks to us in, in, in a lot of different ways, really. Sometimes God speaks to us in dreams. Sometimes he speaks to us in, through people or, or through our thoughts. You know, but unfortunately for us, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes those things fail us. Or sometimes they don't fail us, but they lead us astray or they bend truth. Sometimes, you know, if we're not careful, we can hear something that we want to hear and it's not at all what's coming out of the other person's mouth, but just because we want it, we hear it. Something that will never fail us is the Bible. That's how God chooses to speak to us today. God can speak to us through his Holy Spirit. He can speak to us through prayer. He can speak to us through dreams or people. But something that will never, ever, ever fail is the word of God. And so when we're reading it and we can see it and we're literate of the Bible, we can be determined not to, to veer off to the left or the right, especially in the storms. So it's critical that we build that foundation right now. Another thing that's never gonna fail is prayer. Uh, again, another little bit of, of history here. Uh, when, when King Hezekiah, another king of Judah, previous, did, uh, remember what he did when, when King uh, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came in and started threatening him with these, these, this hate mail, really. He comes in, and if you go to the next slide, it says, 2 Kings 19, 14, it says, Hezekiah received from the messenger, he received the letter from the messengers and read it. This is just an all out, we're gonna own you, so just be ready. And uh, then he, he went to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. Okay, so he got this hate mail, he's looking at it and he's just like sweating bullets and he's like, oh my goodness, this is, it's over. But what does he do? It says he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. In 2 Kings 19.35, the result of that prayer, that night the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. Now, let's just set this record straight here. God doesn't like killing people, but he does deal with sin. And so God isn't a God who just slays people in the Old Testament. He's a God that's holy and just. And we're going to have to give an account of our sins if we're not right with God as well. So this is not, I'm, I'm not trying to highlight the fact that there's a bunch of dead bodies. I'm trying to highlight the fact that prayer works. Prayer works. And so when we prioritize prayer in our life, God will speak to us. Because the Bible declares it. And this is just one instance. See, the Judeans, getting back to our story, these rebels heading to Egypt, they seemingly did everything right. You know, they knew God's will was important. They sought out God's prophet for answers. And they, they even waited for a response. We see in verse 7, it says, 10 days later, the Lord gave his reply to Jeremiah. Unfortunately for Judah, they were going to obey God only if God gave them the green light. And of course, God doesn't work like that. And in this story, God's response was the red light. He said in verse, in chapter 42, 15b through 16, it says, if you're determined to go to Egypt and live there, the very war and famine you fear will catch up to you and you will die there. God didn't want him to go back to Egypt. 
But why? What was so bad about Egypt? Remember a thousand years earlier. Think about a thousand years ago from today. It's a long time. But a thousand years ago from this time, years before this time, um, the, the, the Israelites had been enslaved. They were God's chosen people, but they were enslaved to the Egyptians for 400 years. And, and the, the Egyptians incredibly mistreated them. They, they were harsh with them. They whipped them. They treated them as animals. God didn't like that. God said, no, that's, 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 there's a problem here. And, and in Exodus 3, 7, we see the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. You know, God's concerned about when we suffer. You know, he's concerned about it when you suffer. That's real, that's not fake, that's absolutely true. He's concerned about us. Why would Judah ever wanna go back to Egypt? If that's, I mean, if this is the, the reality of it, they were, that was their slavery, that was their past, why would they ever go back? You know, Egypt's, uh, the Bible uh, implies that they were, they were seeking out um, they were seeking out protection from the Babylonians and they thought the Egyptians could do that. They thought, hey, I mean, they got a garrison, they got soldiers, I mean, as many as a seashore, let's go to them, you know? The Bible doesn't say this aspect of it, but Egypt was also incredibly uh, a nation that served many gods, something that Israel and Judah both struggled with throughout the, the centuries of, of the relationship with God. Could it have been possibly that that would have been a pull for their, their foolish decision? They're I mean, even questioning whether we should go back to that place. You know, it reminds me of us. Sometimes we don't know what God's will is for our life, so we don't, we don't even care to pursue what his will is for our life. We read in the scriptures something like, you know, it says don't murder, and we say, okay, I won't murder. Who, you know, who would murder? That's, that's wrong, that's evil. Okay, and so we obey that. When scripture says in Romans 11, 13, 14, it says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. I don't see a lot of Christ being put on in our culture. And sometimes it's not even being put on in our church body, in our church movement. And, and it's, not, it's not you, it's not me, it's all of us. If there's some areas in our life that if we're honest and real with ourselves, we, we are quick to say, well, I don't do that, I don't do that, and I don't do that. But these things over here, since the Bible doesn't say yes or no, and since you know, God hasn't given me any sort of disease, uh, I might as well just keep doing these things because the Bible doesn't say not to. It's important that we're not just checking off a list of the Bible but that we're cultivating a heart of obedience. That it's not just, God, I did that, I did that, I did that. It's, God, what am I still not doing for you? What, am I, what, what can I do for you to obey you more, to honor you? Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. In other words, if you love me, the fruit of that will be obedience. The, the poison fruit of that would be either justifying it or trying to, Ignore it, just try and, uh, it's, it's nothing in my life. It's not important. We have to be, my second point is we have to determine to obey God. Have you ever been overweight? You look in the mirror and you're like, man, I gotta lose some weight, I'm just not, I'm just not doing good. You know, you're like I gotta shed a few pounds. I know I have, I think 
Heaviest I ever got was 210. Heavy man, I, I, I felt it, I was tired all the time, uh, you know, had to buy all new clothes, and uh, it's terrible, being overweight is, is miserable. You know, so, you, so we get on this workout plan, and we start working out, start shedding, shedding layers, shedding pounds, and we're like, man, I'm looking good, you look in a mirror, and you're looking pretty good, you know? Um, but, but what happens, you know, when you get back, uh, and, and, you know, someone like the Whiffs invites you over? If you know anything about the Whiffs, they have good food. All the time, all the time their food is good. Or you know, you inv- someone invites you over for the Super Bowl uh, Sunday party. You know, there's bacon wrapped jalapeno poppers. You know, there's wings with buffalo sauce. Man, that's my weakness. You know, it just gets real so fast. You know, that temptation of whoa, okay. The only way that you can re- continue losing weight or continue get staying in shape is to be determined to stay healthy. It's the only way it's gonna happen because Casey's Pizza and the wings and the, all that, that will always be there. But discipline and being determined after the things of God is incredibly difficult to do. So in verse five, let's go back. Verse five, chapter 42, it says, then they said to Jeremiah, may the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us if we do not act in accordance with everything the Lord your God sends you to tell us, whether it is favorable or unfavorable, we will obey the Lord your God to whom we are sending you so that it will go well with us, for we will obey the Lord our God. The people not only are seeking God's will, they're interested in it, they're saying that we're completely all in, we're determined to do God's will. You know, for us, we're determined to pay our bills because if we don't, someone's gonna come knocking on our house. We're determined to have family time, and if you don't spend time with your family, your family will die. We're determined to get our three-course meals in, some of us more, some of us less. But, but we're determined to do a lot of things. God wants us to be determined to do whatever it takes to never to go back, take steps backwards in our life for him. He wants us to be determined. So how do we do it? We have to cultivate a heart of obedience. Right before Judah went into exile, Jeremiah gives Zedekiah two options. Okay, now let's backtrack. Not, we're not talking about these rebels that are on their way to Egypt. We're talking about um, a gr- the Judah as a whole. Right before they go into exile, King Zedekiah is on the throne, and Jeremiah, the same prophet um, that's giving these rebels um, uh, an alternative, he's giving um, Zedekiah this two options. Kind of the same but not, not exactly. Jeremiah 38, 17, it says, then J- Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, this is what the Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel says, if you surrender to the officers of the king of Babylon, your life will be spared and, this, and the city will not be burned down. You and your family will live. Option B, Jeremiah 38, 18 says, but if you will not surrender to the officers of the king of Babylon, the city will be given into the hands of the Babylonians and they will burn it down. You yourself will not escape from this. And of course, the pattern, Zedekiah chooses option B. You know, uh, I don't understand why he would, but Zedekiah got privileged to watch his, both his sons to be killed right, right in front of his eyes. Um, for disobedience, for not obeying the word of the Lord. Um, and then right after he watches his two boys killed, um, they, they gouge his eyes out, so that's the last thing burned into his memory. Uh, 
God is not playing around when it comes to disobedience. God constantly is speaking to us and he constantly wants us to hear and look into the word and say, what are things in our life right now that, we're not, that aren't lined up with scripture? So the, the key word in both of these things, if you look at it, is surrender. He says, if you go out, if you surrender to the officers of the king, your life will be spared. He says, if, if, you, if you don't go out and if you don't surrender, you're gonna die, everyone's gonna die. And so, he's, and so I think God, sometimes he wants us, um, specifically in this sense, um, he's asking Zedekiah to surrender, but he's asking us to fully surrender. You know, before we came to Christ, we actually had the right, so to speak, to go out and commit any kind of sin. You could steal all you wanted before coming to Christ. Before coming to Christ, you could commit adultery because you're not held to a standard. Before Christ, you could go and get drunk, you could gossip, you could even get, get interested and do witchcraft. Before Christ, you had that right. When we come to Christ, he says, I need you to surrender all of this. It's not that you have to kind of stop doing the witchcraft and, you, and well, the stealing has to be cut down to a minimum. He said, surrender completely. Wave your, if you just surrender, wave your white flag, just surrender, you'll have life. That's difficult to do though sometimes, isn't it? It's difficult. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, it says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, you were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. The reality of a true Christian's life is we don't hold any rights to our past of the life of sin, we belong only to God. What he says goes always. Always, always. Sometimes it's hard to obey God, not because, I, you, know, it, you know, some of us think, it's not that I wanna stay in control, it's because I'm afraid of what he's gonna ask me to do. You know, evangelism. God says, hey, go talk to that person. God has talked to me numerous times, hey, go pray for that person. I, whoa, okay, Lord. Uh, it just got real because there's a lot of non-Christians here and they're gonna think I'm a fanatic or, you know. Just, God says, do what I say. Don't, don't focus so much on if they're gonna get healed or if they're gonna become a Christian. Do what I say. It's hard sometimes. We're afraid. Option A for both Zedekiah and this Judean rebels seemed like the better option. For Zedekiah, it was if you surrender to the officers of the king of Babylon, your life will be spared and the city will not be burned down. You and your family will live. And to the rebels, it said, in 42.10, it says, if you stay in this land, I will build you up and not tear you down. I will plant you and not uproot you, for I have relented concerning the disaster I have inflicted on you. So why in the world did they choose option B? Fear drove them, and I'm gonna show you how I know that. Jeremiah 38.19 says, King Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, but I'm afraid of the Jews. Who have always gone over to the who have gone over to the Babylonians, and the Babylonians may hand them over to me, and they will mistreat me. I wonder why he thought that. Maybe was he mistreating them? I don't know. But he says that he was afraid. It says it said of the rebels in Jeremiah forty one eighteen b. It says that they were afraid of them, who the Babylonians, because Ishmael, son of Nathaniah, had killed Gedaliah, son of Ahikam, who had been or who the king of Babylon had appointed as governor over the land. 
They were afraid. They were afraid. They thought the Babylonians were gonna take them into exile and all these terrible things. But see, when fear drives us to act, whether to obey God or not to obey God, we seriously begin to wonder, is God actually even for us anymore? You think, you know, God, uh, we start to question him. We start to doubt him. When he, when he just says, you know, t- he tells us so clearly what to do, but we start doubting him. Fear sometimes does that. It's one of many things that does that. But what if Jeremiah had been afraid? You know? This is the same guy who, you know, when God said of him, you know, before you were born, uh, before you were knit together in your womb, I knew you. I knew the plan. You were, this is who you were. This is what you were going to do. And I believe that God has a plan for each one of our lives very similar to Jeremiah. Jeremiah wasn't trying to play the prophet card. He wasn't trying to say, do what I say, or God will smite you, and all this. God's, God, or Jeremiah desperately loved the Jewish people. Desperately. That's why he was motivated. He loved them. And, and oftentimes, Jeremiah is noted as the weeping prophet because the people just... They had, they had it all right in front of them. And they had the history, they had the proof, they had the prophets. But he wept because it didn't matter. Because God loves us, he gives us free will to do whatever we want. Whether that's to kill, or whether that's to, to, to obey him. Whatever we want, he, he loves us, to, he gives us free will. Remember, Jeremiah, God, God not only, Jeremiah didn't only love Jewish people, God loves the Jewish people, even, even in the midst of their exile. See, I think they were actually supposed to be in exile, and, I'll, and we're gonna get to it, why I think that. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. See, that, that passage is used a lot of times, taken out of context, meaning that life's gonna be good, he has plans to prosper you, but actually this is a letter written to exiles that are, are, that are going through hard times. They're going through difficult times and God is simply saying, listen, I know life is kind of terrible right now. I, I, I have a plan why you're there and I haven't abandoned you, but you have, to, you have to open your eyes. You have to see the bigger picture. You have to start obeying me. You have to start trusting me. And he says, I know the plans that I have for you. God loves us. Sometimes he allows us to hit rock bottom and he does that so we can see our need for him. How many of us have hit rock bottom? You know, I once, I, li- I once lived in my own Egypt, my own past of sin, addicted to every immoral action you can imagine. In fact, if I were to stand here and tell you the things that I've done, many of you would question whether I should even be preaching right now. But Christ, I'm thankful for second chances because he constantly says, you know what, John, I know you messed up, but because of the cross, I forget. Because there's a sacrifice for sins and there's a payment of sin, I forget and I love you and I'm desperate for you. All you have to do is turn. Just turn. Start obeying. Put your faith in me and turn. And so I'm thankful for second chances because I'm, I'm the product of second chances. So as he pulled you out of sin, pulled you out of your past, pulled you out of Egypt, that slavery that once was real in our lives because every one of us whether we want to admit it or not, the most righteous of us, if we've grown up in the church and all that, at one moment in our lives, the best works that we have ever done were just filthy rags before the Lord and we are actually enemies of God. And so at one point in our lives, and maybe we don't remember it because God has given us grace to just become Christians at an early age, 
But what has God pulled you out of? Or are we still dangling with it? Is Egypt still an option? Can I still go back there? God, it's something we gotta think about. Final point, we have to go for it. Uh, you know, there's so many times where I read, read the Bible and I'm thinking, you know, you know what I'm gonna do? This is like, I mean, I feel the Holy Spirit, I feel the Holy Spirit just real in my life. I can see him uh, through my friends, I can see him uh, at school, I can see him wherever I'm at. I can see, and, and God is just real in the word. But isn't it interesting that no matter how much you raise your hands at the altar or you cry or you go to camp or you go to youth convention or you go to any Billy Graham crusade and you have an encounter with God and it's a real encounter, don't think it's not, but it's a real encounter. Isn't it interesting that if we're not applying what we're learning, what good is it? Because Israel, uh, as much as they complained, as much as they failed God, some of those people were the most devout, zealous people after the Lord. Um, they would put some of us to shame because they loved God, they, they knew God. And some of them, you gotta remember, we're talking about re- rebels right now, right? We're talking about rebels that are on their way to Egypt. But you know who's back in exile right now? Their faith being tested, obeying God? It's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being thrown into the fire. Daniel being thrown into the lion's den in the same exact time frame that these rebels are out doing their own thing. So we're gonna get to that. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. It doesn't matter if you're the worst person, the best person. God is just looking for turning. He's looking for obedience. And he wants us to start doing something about it. So my third point is go for it. We have to go for it. Can't just hear it. Can't just... We have to make it real. So what, what do we gotta do to make it real? Jeremiah chapter 43, one through two, it says, when Jeremiah had finished telling the people all the words of the Lord, everything the Lord had sent, sent him to tell them, Azariah, son of Hoshiah, and Johanan, son of Kareah, and all the arrogant men said to Jeremiah, you're lying. The Lord our God has not sent you to say you must not go to Egypt to settle there. See, these rebels of Babylon became rebels of God when they heard the word of God and they said, you know what, whatever to that. I'm just done. I'm just done with God and, and you know, he's, we haven't seen him in a thousand years and okay, so where's he at, okay, God? It doesn't matter if we see him or not. It's by our faith in Christ that we're saved. It's not, it's not because we can walk down the, the Christian aisle holding hands with Jesus. That's not what saves us. What saves us is our faith in Christ and his work on the cross. So why did God want them to stay in Judah? This is, where, this is really where it all comes down to. Remember, let's, let's go back to option, option A for uh, the rebels. Okay, we're back, story with the rebels. You know, why, why did God so desperately want them to stay in Judah? Verse 10, chapter 42, it says, if you stay in this land, I will build you up and not tear you down. I will plant you and not uproot you, for I have relented concerning the disaster I have inflicted on you. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, whom you now fear. Do not be afraid of him, declares the Lord, for I am with you and will save you and deliver you from his hands. I will show you compassion so that he will have compassion on you and restore you to your land. The only thing I can pull from this is that God wanted, God disciplined his people. He sent them into exile. 
And it wasn't just like, hey, let's, you know, everyone grab the hand of the Babylonian next to you and let's walk, let's walk into, that's what it would have been like had Zedekiah actually believed, had Zedekiah actually believed the word of the Lord. But no, what actually the reality of it is, is the, 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 the Judeans actually were slaughtered. I mean, they, they turned to cannibalism. They were, they were surrounded in the city and these people are living off of each other. Uh, their sons, it's prophesied years prior that, that um, father will turn against son and people will begin to consume f- human flesh wa- towards one another. They started eating each other, started driving them mad because all, they, all the Babylonians did was just set up camp right outside the camp and they just waited for months and months and months. You have a few thousand people together, the food starts running out. You can't leave the city and so people start dying. People were killed torturous ways, all because of disobedience. So I think, why, why did God let, lead the Judeans into exile? He was simply wanting to say, uh, trust me and obey me. And I think it's the same exact reason why he told the, the rebels, stay in the land, he's saying, you know, um, Nebuchadnezzar, he's gonna come back for you. That's what your mind's telling you right now but I'm telling you, he's actually gonna cause you to look favor on you, to show you compassion. Your minds are telling us one thing, because they do, that's what, that's what we do as humans. Our minds tell us one thing, but God tells us another. He says, trust me and obey me. And I think that's the only reason why he said, stay in Judah. You know, Egypt, what, what is a land of Egypt? It's nothing. There's no significance to Egypt in, in, in the sense of just dirt. But what he was trying to teach even this rebel group, you know, this rebel group should have been in exile. That's where they should be. But no, they decide they're gonna head out to Egypt. Completely, it says that these arrogant men said to Jeremiah, you're lying. It's like, yeah, you're just trying to get us arrested. You're trying to get us thrown into exile just with everyone else. God wanted them to learn obedience and trust. And God is looking for people to obey and trust him, even this morning. He's looking for people who in the midst of turmoil will will turn and and trust in what the Bible says is true. He's looking for people that no matter what life throws at them, they won't compromise with sin. Whether it's a high school friend trying to pull you in to do something you know you probably shouldn't be doing, but you still do it. God is looking for people that says, you know what, even though my Christian buddies aren't here, Jesus Christ isn't here in the flesh, I'm gonna do what's right. Obedience, God doesn't play around. He was looking for people who don't just listen to sermons like mine all day. Because you can leave and it doesn't even matter. He's looking for people who just take one point that we've been talking about, just one of them, get determined or, or you know, be concerned with God's will or whatever. Just take one of them. One point from the word, okay? So, so, so know those, take something that's actually from the Bible. Just take it and start doing it. But don't just take it like, thou shalt not murder. Yes, okay, Lord, I'm doing you a favor now, right? Okay, because I'm obeying your word. No, find something that you're not doing right now and start doing it. Start doing it. That's because if, if we don't, then this sermon, this time that you've spent here is wasted. It's wasted. I'm wasting my time, you're wasting your time, and we're not applying God's word to our life. You know, when I was writing the sermon, Pastor Thomas told me many times, like, John, if you wait 
until you're perfect to preach your sermons, you'll never be able to preach a sermon in your life. As I'm writing this sermon, God is just convicting my heart. He's just convicting my heart. He's saying, you know, John, I've asked you to go and pray for someone. Why don't you go and pray? John, I've, I've asked you to go share your faith with that person. Why don't you share your faith? God is, is incredibly laying this thick on me because I know it's true. I know it's true, but I can't wait till I'm perf- perfected before I share it with you. We're in this together. We're, we're, just, we're just human beings, uh, just enemies of, of the cross saved by grace. That's, that's who we are. And so I'm, I'm, thank, I'm thankful for that. So really, this morning, uh, Stan, if you'd come back and just strum on the guitar for me, um, maybe towards the song of, you know, never, never, uh, ne- what is that, never go back? Yeah, never go back. If you would just play for that for me, I will, well, I will never be. That's what it is. Really, the only, there's, you know, God gave Israel and Judah thousands of years uh, of just, if you just, I should really say hundreds, but but thousands in the light of up till today. God, but up to this point in this story, God gave uh, Israel and Judah hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years to just turn, to just think of something in their life and say, wow, you know what, I'm doing this, and I know the Bible actually says don't do this, but I still keep doing it. God wants you to think of that right now, and he just wants you to turn from it. The only way that you can is by his grace. The only way that you can is by his strength because you will, a lot of you might right now say, yeah, I'm, I'm done with that. And then Monday comes, Tuesday comes, Wednesday comes. And you know what? Partying's a little bit more fun than not partying. That's what, that's what the flesh stirs up, that desire. But if you're determined, if you're determined to go after God, you can do it. If you're determined, so option A for us is we have to obey God, okay? This is, uh, this is the reality of us. The only difference between Judah, the only difference between Judah and us sitting in this room is that we still have a choice to obey an option. We can still choose. You know what they chose? Jeremiah is a terrible, uh, it, it has such a sad message. They chose option B. And that whole remnant moved to Egypt Babylon, Babylon caught up with them and slaughtered them, slaughtered them. All they had to do was stay in Judah. All we have to do today is turn and obey God, put our faith in him. Option B, we can pick and choose to obey God. And, and some of us are doing that right now. Some of us are picking and choosing what we want to obey. That's disobedience complete disobedience God demands surrender he demands obedience finally option C we can obey God later I had a student come up to me and I said you know you know you know all about God you've been in church your whole life you know what was holding you back you know and they said you know John this is the reality Right now I'm living my life the way I want to and it's fun. And later on, later on, I'm gonna start living for God. And you know, that's a sad deal because here's the reality of that statement. I pray that that student later on in life finds the Lord, I do. I pray that with all my heart. But the more we resist his spirit right now, the more our heart becomes hard towards God later. And so God is not, 
God, you're not just here because, hey, I'll get up and go to church. God is having mercy on whoever you are, on me. He's having mercy on us one more day. He's saying, will you turn? Will, will you obey? And so in closing, I just wanted you to close your eyes. I just want to ask if there's one person here, just one, that you know that you're, you're, you, know, you know all the right things to say, you know all the right things to do, but you just keep choosing option B. You keep choosing that, that you know what, I'm going to do my things my way, I'm going to do whatever I want. But you know what? You're, you're sensing the Spirit. You know that He's having mercy on you one more day. And you want to say, you know what? I want to turn from that. I know I can't do it on my own strength, but I know the Spirit can help me turn away from that. If, if there's one person, would you raise your hand? Just say, God, I need your help. I need your help to turn away. Turn away from the life I once lived. Now, I think a, a lot of us can say, there are things in my life that aren't honoring to God. Maybe you're not an absolute defiance towards God, but, but God is saying this morning, he's saying, if, if there's even, even one thing that you say, God, I will obey everything, every commandment since my youth, but I refuse to obey one. But to, today you wanna say, you know what? I just need help making that decision. I need help um, taking that step of faith. I want you to raise your hand. You need help. Lots of hands going up. That's the reality of where we're at. Jeremiah told, or God told Jeremiah, don't look down on yourself because you're young. I've commissioned you, I've called you. It doesn't matter where you're at in life right now. It doesn't matter where I am at in life right now. God is gonna use us if we turn and if we obey him. Turn from the past, be determined never to go back to where we came. If you've raised your hand, I invite you to come down to the altars. would like to pray for you. Uh, it's hard to be determined, uh, at least show you're determined, when you can walk up and no one has any form of accountability with you. But if you can walk to the altar and say, yeah, you know what, I need some help. I need some help in this. And you, and you put yourself out there before the church family, this church movement, not only are you gonna, not only are you making that step evident, you're, you're gonna get people, prayer warriors behind you, praying for you. So if you raise your hand for either one of those, I invite you to come down here, pray that, pray that God just makes himself real to you. I'm gonna pray over you and then we'll, uh, if you have to go, feel free to leave. But uh, if, you, if you want prayer, if you, if, if you wanna stay a little while, just make a commitment to God, say, I wanna turn, I wanna become more real, more obedient. God, I thank you so much, Lord for each one of us, God, that are here, that your mercy is on us. Lord, your mercy is on me. Uh, when you've asked me to do things and I've, I've said no. God, I thank you that you are a God of second chances, Lord, and we are the products of that. I just pray, God, that you give us the strength that we need to keep moving forward, that next right step, baby steps, God. Lord, I, I just pray against the enemy that constantly says, if you don't become a saint overnight, you might as well just give it all up. I pray, Lord, that you help us take baby steps, God. Lord, get into the word. Start Bible playing. Start coming to prayer meetings, Lord. Start becoming determined to obey you, God. Lord, I pray that you have grace on us from here on out. 
Help us when we fail. Help us when we mess up, God. Lord, we're humble and we're saying, God, we need you. In Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Feel free to go if you do. Please talk in the foyer. I'd like to respect these people and pray for them.